0: Always a delight to walk in the pulpit, look out over the audience and see a full house. <clears throat> so good to have some of you who are visiting with us. <clears throat> we appreciate your being here. We want you to feel welcome. We want you to come back. We want you to feel well and welcome enough that you'll be back with us again each week. Uh, it's our goal, it's our desire here to worship God, study His word, And try to please him in everything that we do. On Sunday mornings, for now a little over six months, we have been studying the book of Acts written by the beloved physician Luke, the purpose of which was to give Theophilus a better understanding of everything that Jesus had taught and done and the establishment of the Lord's church. Brother Tim read just a few moments ago from Acts chapter 9, God had given Paul a specific job. It was to bear his name before kings and governors. You see, God had a marvelous plan for spreading the gospel. He wanted to be able to take the gospel message from the lowliest servant to the most powerful rulers. It does not matter whether you perhaps are a shine boy in the airport in Bangladesh or if you are the President of the United States. God desires that all men be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. God wants everyone to hear the gospel. And God had sent Paul on a mission He had gone to the city of Jerusalem, but he tells him in Acts 23 and verse 11, he said, after you have testified for me in Jerusalem, you also must bear witness for me in Rome. And thus Luke will describe the journey that Paul will make from Jerusalem to Caesarea, from Caesarea to Rome, and there he will appear even before the emperor Nero. Along the way, Paul had an opportunity to teach some very important people. In Acts chapter 24, he was able to address Felix. In Acts 25, Festus. Acts 26, Agrippa. And we're going to take a few minutes to look at these three chapters, these three men, and see if we cannot see some parallels within our own lives. Felix, Marcus Antonius Felix. He was the Roman procurator who ruled from A.D. 52 to 60 in Judea. His wife was named Drusilla. She happened to be the daughter of Agrippa I and a sister to Agrippa II. This man was known for being extremely cruel. He was known for being unjust The fact that he would take bribes, if you had a case before him and you wanted to win your case, whoever paid him the largest bribe would win. But one thing that he was definitely noted for in Rome was the fact that he did not keep peace. Rome wanted peace everywhere, among every one of their provinces. And if one of their rulers, one of their governors was creating some sort of conflict, they would have him removed. During the period of time that Felix was the governor of Judea, he was so wicked and so cruel that the people then began to hate Rome because of him. He was recalled by Nero, and the only reason why that he actually did not die was because of the intervention of his brother Pallas. That's only a little bit of the background. The important part is what we read in Acts chapter 24. i want to put it on the screen, but if you want to look in your Bibles, we're going to begin in verse 1 and read through verse 9. Now, after five days, Ananias, the high priest, came with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullus. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation, saying, Seeing through you we enjoy great peace, and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight, we accept it always in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to any further, I beg you to hear... By your courtesy, a few words from us. For we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among the Jews throughout all the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But when Lysias, or the commander Lysias, came by and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you may ascertain that these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. What you observe is the fact that these Jewish people had hired a professional lawyer. Sometimes when people represent themselves, they allow their emotions, they allow their passions to come through, and it's immediately obvious that there is some pride and some prejudice involved. They hire a man by the name of Tertullus who's very talented to represent their case against Paul. I'm amazed at how flattering of a speech he offers of Felix. None of it was true. It wasn't peace. It wasn't prosperity at the hands of Felix. But you see, Tertullus is trying to butter him up. He's trying to get him to to be on their side before he ever even hears the case. And then he levels a number of false charges against Paul. But Paul responds to those charges by pointing out he could not be a troublemaker as he had only been in Jerusalem 12 days. You Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, it's only been 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple, disputing with anyone, nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city. Paul said, I'm not a rabble-rouser as they have accused, and I've only been here 12 days. But Paul did confess something. He said in verses 14 and 15, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of the fathers. He said, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. But he says that's the same things that was written in the law and in the prophets. In verses 17 through 19, he said, I did not profane the temple. He said there were some Jews from Asia who found me purified in the temple, but he says, neither with mob or tumult. There's no riot going on. If anyone was here and had any objection to make, they should be here. But it's obvious that Paul is pointing this out. But now, what Paul did was being given an opportunity to explain. Felix is here and he's listening to this. He's listening to... One side and then he's listening to the other. But I love it when you get to verse 22. Because this is where you start noticing a little of the important detail. But when Felix heard these things, having a more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. Now he says, After some days... When Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was a Jew, Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning his faith in Christ. Now he wants to know why does Paul believe what he believes. Paul is going to be given an opportunity to preach to this man of power and influence. The key verse is verse twenty-five. Now, as a reason about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. What Paul does is preach to him a three-point sermon. The first is on righteousness. What is right versus what is wrong. What kind of life have you lived, Felix? Have you done what God wanted you to do? Self control. Felix, you had the ability to choose to do right or wrong. You now know that the choices you have made, and some of us are just like Felix. We look back and we know what's right versus what's wrong. And we also know that we had the ability to make those choices. But then the third part of his lesson, the judgment to come. That means that Felix was going to have to answer for these choices before the God of heaven. Yes, there will be a final exam. Yes, there will be a day of judgment. The reaction of Felix was to be terrified. And that's the original word there. To be to be so disturbed by what you heard. If I were able to put before you right now judgment to come, and you were able to look at your life carefully, I think most of us would be terrified. Realizing the possibility that heaven and hell are realities. And yet he procrastinated. Go away. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. You know, it's so easy to put things off. It's so easy to convince yourself there will be a better day, there will be a better time. In fact, in just a few minutes, we're going to extend the invitation. And I would dare say that there's somebody in this audience who's going to say, Well, not today. Maybe tonight. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next week. Let me tell you what happened with him. After the moment of emotion passed, Felix reverted to his old ways. You see, Paul was for just a moment able to get him with the lesson that he had spoken. He was able by means of words to get his attention. And yet, after that emotion passed, what happened to Felix? He often wanted to talk to Paul, but he wanted a bribe. He went back to his old ways Give me some money and I'll let you go. Paul was not going to do that. And thus, Felix left him incarcerated for two years because he wanted to do the Jews a favor. What that does leads us to the second man by the name of Festus. Portius Festus was the Roman procurator in Judea from A.D. 60 to 62. 62. And you can imagine he inherited many of the problems created by Felix. Felix was a man who made so many mistakes and he didn't clean them up. And after being removed, Festus comes in and it's his job to try to fix what is broken. The difference is where Felix had a wife who was a Jewish, Drusilla, he knew the Jewish culture. Festus didn't know any of it. He's from a totally different culture and what his desire is, I want to take care of all these problems that Felix has left, and I want to fix it quickly. And Paul was one of them. And so, in an effort to try to court the favor of the Jews, Festus asked Paul, who was currently at Caesarea, if he'd be willing to go back to Jerusalem. And Paul said, No. I won't go back to Jerusalem. He knew there were people there who would want to take his life and so knowing the potential for harm, he appealed to Caesar. Let's read verses 10 through 12 of Acts 25. So Paul said, "I stand in Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews, I have done no wrong, as you very well know. For if I've an offender or committed things deserving of death, I do not object to dying." But if there's nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he conferred with the council, answered, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. You see, Festus is a pagan. He's not from here. He doesn't know all of the cultural backgrounds. You just imagine if a person came from another nation and he came to Middle Tennessee and he was trying to judge about things of which he had no knowledge, he didn't know any of the culture, didn't know any of the customs of the people, well, that's where Festus is at. Particularly, he doesn't know what to do about this one named Jesus. Now, when Paul is going to give his defense before Agrippa, Festus is going to be present, and, pre- and he is going to say, Paul, you've lost your mind. You've gone mad. Look with me at verses 24 and 25. Now, as he had thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus. But speak the words of truth and reason. You see, in Festus' mind, he doesn't understand about Jesus. He doesn't understand about the gospel message. That's going to lead us to the third of the characters, and that is Agrippa. If I were to try to describe to you the family of the Herods, I think you would say after just a moment or two, That's just too complicated. Over the past several weeks, I've been doing some genealogy search of my family. And I found, as if I would imagine most of you have done, you found out your family tree is filled with some folks that are not as desirable as others. We've got some folks in my family. I wish we could loan them to your family. But uh, the Herods were an awful family. In fact, the Herod name refers to the group of people, and uh, sometimes their family tree doesn't fork. That is, you have marrying of uh, nieces. In fact, you even having brothers and their wives marrying another one of the brothers. It's really a very sad state of affairs. Never was a soap opera any more. Uh, salacious than was the Herod family. Well, this is Herod Agrippa the Sacket. And you can say, well, I, I don't know what that means. For just a moment, let me just take and go through the Bible at some of the Herods. Herod the Great was the one who was ruling when Jesus was born, he was the one who slaughtered the innocent babies. Because he wanted to kill the Christ because it was said that he was the king of the Jews. Herod Antipas is the one who married his brother Philip's wife. And John the Baptist is the one who said to him, It is not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. Herod Agrippa I is described in Acts chapter 12 where he killed James the apostle and imprisoned Peter. Peter. And you say, oh, well, I, now I'm seeing there's several of those. And this is Herod Agrippa the II. And Herod Agrippa the II is well-versed in the customs and could be a great asset to Festus. You see, Festus is here. He knows nothing about all of this, but Agrippa does. And Agrippa is the king here, even though Festus is the governor. What is he going to do with Paul? Let's look at verses 2 and 3 of chapter 26. He says, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I answer for myself before you concerning all things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are an expert in the customs and the questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you, hear me patiently. Now Paul's response to this was a very carefully crafted sermon. In fact, everything that we've studied up to this point about Felix and about Festus and now Agrippa really relates to what Paul is going to say when he is put on the spot. So here is his sermon. You can see it plainly in Acts chapter 26. Verses 4 and 5, Paul refers to his background. My manner of life or my youth which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictness of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Do you know what Agrippa would think immediately? Jerusalem. That's where the seed of Judaism is found. This is the seat of where the temple is located. Paul said, I was reared in this city. These people know me if they'll own up to it. But beyond that, he says, they know that I lived as a Pharisee. Now that's also extremely important. You've got the Sadducees who deny angels, who deny the resurrection, but you've got the Pharisees who believe in the resurrection. In fact, in verses 6 through 8, he's going to go on and say, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise our 12 tribes earnestly serving God night and day hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Now you begin to understand what is at the crux of the issue. Jesus Christ died, was buried in that tomb, and he rose from the dead. You see, the Jewish people didn't believe in Jesus. But Paul said he rose from the dead. Well, how do you know, Paul? How do you know that he's alive? How do you know that he's not in a tomb somewhere? Paul said, let's look at me. Let's look at me. He said, I persecuted the church. Verse 9 through 11. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem. And in many of the saints I shut up in prison and having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Paul said, you want to know where I was? I hated Jesus. He said, I even persecuted his followers. So it's not as if I am somehow prejudiced for him. But Paul saw the light, both in a literal sense and in a metaphorical sense. He saw a literal light coming down from heaven. We're going to read about that in verses 12 through 19 but he also saw the light in the sense that he could see now and understand he was on the wrong path. Well, I was thus occupied. As I journeyed from Damascus with authority, or to Damascus with authority, and commissioned from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking with me saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus Christ. Whom you are persecuting. Wow. The one whom Paul was going to persecute his followers, Jesus from heaven says, I'm the one you're persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose: to make you a minister and a witness of both the things which you have seen and the things which I shall yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Now listen carefully to verse 18. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul said, Agrippa, I want you to know I heard and I saw the Savior from heaven. And what he told me to do was preach the gospel. He told me to preach the gospel. And so wherever I've gone, i preach preached that gospel. Look at verses 20 and 21. But declared first to those in Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn toward God, do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Paul said, you know why they're trying to kill me is because I'm preaching the truth. The reason why they're trying to kill me is because I'm taking a message of repentance. And he said, you've got to believe in God and repent and do works befitting, worthy of repentance. And then he says, King Agrippa, I'm not telling you anything new or anything but what the prophets of the Old Testament have also said. Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing to both small and great no other things than those things which the prophets and Moses said would come. Those prophets of the Old Testament said these days were coming. They said that Christ would suffer. He'd rise from the dead. He would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. That's when Festus is confused. Paul, your much learning is driving you mad. No, Festus. I'm speaking the words of truth and reason. Verse 26, For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention. Since this thing was not done in a corner, King Agrippa, you know about Jesus. King Agrippa, you know about the followers. You know what the prophets have said. And so he asked, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Well, if you believe what the prophets have said, then what's the problem? Now here's the response of King Agrippa. I'm almost persuaded. Look at verses 28 and 29. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become almost and altogether such as I am except these chains. Now I've heard and seen some translations that try to make it out as if Paul or Agrippa is saying to Paul, "Do you think you can make me a Christian with such little persuasion?" But notice Paul's response in verse twenty-nine. He said, "I don't want you to just be almost, but I want you to be altogether like I am, except for the chains. I want you to be a believer." Paul's attempt was to persuade. And Agrippa was almost persuaded. Felix, Festus, and Agrippa. Paul's done what Acts 9 says that he would do: that he'd stand before kings, and he would preach before kings. And as I look at at these three rulers, I see Felix, a man wallowing in sin. I see a man, though, who can hear the message and it touch him. You know, it may be this morning that you didn't come here for the very purpose of, of worshiping. It may be that your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister... Someone encouraged you to come, but you've read what the Scripture said, and then all of a sudden now, the Word of God touches your heart. It moves you. It motivates you. Let me tell you something. Don't just sweep it by and say, I have a more convenient season, I'll do something. Maybe that you're somewhat like Festus. You're not really familiar with all these things, but you know that there's something else there that you need to hear. And it may be that you're like King Agrippa. You're almost persuaded. Almost persuaded. Paul had been where they were. He was not questioning their sincerity. There's a lot of people who are in the wrong place. They didn't intend to be there. They didn't plan on being there, but they're still there nonetheless. Paul said, I was where you are, but I, I want you to know where I'm at now. Paul had learned the truth, and it changed his life. Let me tell you, you can change your life today. You can make a decision that you're going to become a Christian and I can tell you, your life will definitely change for the better. And that decision has to be made about Christ whether you're just an ordinary man or whether you're a ruler of a country. Because in God's eyes... Everybody's soul is precious. Your soul is precious. We're going to sing the song, I Am Resolved. If you need to become a Christian, come forward. We'll allow you to confess your faith in Christ. We'll baptize you for the remission of your sins. And then the Lord will add you to his church. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. If you're a Christian, you need to Confess the sins that are in your life to be restored. Let's pray together. Would you come all together? We stand and sing.